Want to know how to talk to God in times of trouble? Well, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, says Psalm 25 is a perfect and glorious prayer. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host for this terrific journey through the Old Testament book of Psalms. And we're beginning today at Psalm 25, verse 1. So while you find your place, I want to share a few letters from our fellow passengers. First, we're going all the way over to Vietnam. I thank God because my faith has been nurtured and I have grown in Jesus Christ from your Bible lessons. My family has too. We have also been nudged by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with our neighbors. Since we have listened, we have abandoned our former way of life and walk in the path of righteousness through our new knowledge. Jesus has increased our power and given us a better outlook on life. We still fall short, but we repent and are grateful that God forgives us. Next, we got a letter from a listener in Central Java who listens to our Indonesian broadcast, and she writes, Praise the Lord our God for his incredible word. In a time of urgency and confusion, Jesus has become the answer for my every problem. I used to worry about my situation and condition, but now I realize that if Jesus could feed the 5,000, he can easily care for me. I now rely on him alone. What a great letter. I love it when she says, in a time of urgency and confusion, Jesus has become the answer for my every problem. I pray that that's true for all of us as well. Here's another letter from Central Java, this time from a listener of our Javanese program. I am so grateful for your broadcast that strengthened me. I face a lot of problems in my life. I am a widow and I have no family. I am all alone and work very hard to pay my bills. I ask for you to pray for my health and my faith in Jesus. And then our final letter comes from a listener of our Khmer language broadcast. That's in Cambodia. I heard about God through someone who came to my village and told me the good news story of Jesus, but I was still perplexed. In time, I found your radio program and God's word began to bear fruit in me. I'm grateful that the Lord has forgiven me for my sin and I am to live a patient and thoughtful life. Thank you for bringing the word of life to me and all those who want to follow Jesus. Well, our world prayer team travels the globe praying for listeners just like these each weekday, and we'd sure love to have you join us as we journey on our knees together. Now, if you want to be on that prayer team, just go to ttb.org forward slash pray. Let's commit this time to the Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you for the comfort that you provide through your word, and we pray that those hearing it today will realize the depth of your love and then welcome you into their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's open to Psalm 25, verse 1, as we make our way through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, our study brings us to the 25th Psalm. And when we come here today to the 25th Psalm, we've come to a new section. And there seems to be a letdown here. But this new segment probably can speak to our hearts in a most unusual way. These other psalms were dramatic. They were absolutely, to my judgment, sensational. But now we come to that which is personal and quiet and intimate. And we have from Psalm 25 through 39 this new segment. And these 15 psalms, largely written by David, in fact, every one of them but one, And David here is speaking out of his personal experience, evidently. And I think that we have here a picture of the remnant of Israel in the time of trouble and distress that's coming in the future. So it has this prophetic, you see. It looks back to the past, 
It has the prophetic as it looks to the future, but it has a wonderful message and impact upon our lives for today. So these psalms are for the past, for the future, but also for the present. And that makes them quite wonderful. And we'll be hitting high points, but these are psalms that maybe you're not so well acquainted with. And yet here is a place where a great many of us have learned. And I think in time of trouble, I find at night when I cannot sleep or when I'm away from home in a strange place and feel probably a little bit lonely, I find myself turning to the book of Psalms and a great many times to this particular section here because it came out of the experience of a man, first of all, that was going through this time of trouble. And then it looks into the future to help a people in the future, and it's for us today too. So will you listen now to Psalm 25? We have here in this psalm what I feel will be a great comfort and help to us, by the way. We have here in this first section a prayer. And this is a prayer that reveals the dependence that David had upon God. And it'll be in a day when that remnant will find themselves no place to fall back upon except upon God. And I'm not sure but what is good for us today. But listen to the psalm now. Verse 1, Psalm 25. Under thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. He's getting down to business now, is he not? Not just his voice now, but his soul. He says, O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Have you been in a place like that where it seemed to be failure and you didn't want to go down in a crushing defeat, either in your personal life or maybe in your business, maybe in your home life, maybe in your church life. And what a prayer this is. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed who transgress without a cause. And now listen to his pleading in his prayer here. He says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy path. Today, there are two ways that a man can go, God's way or his own way. We can all choose our own path. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, and thereof are the ways of death. But what a glorious thing this is that we can call out to God. And this is a wonderful, wonderful psalm. It says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. It's a wonderful psalm. And it's a psalm calling now upon God to show him the way and to teach him. And that leads me to say that in the Hebrew, this is what is known as an acrostic psalm. That is, it's built on the Hebrew alphabet. Each section begins, actually, each verse I should say, well, and that's each section, begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. 
And we miss that, of course, in English. It's not there. Now listen to him here as he continues this prayer. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Now this is quite wonderful. He speaks of not only the kindnesses of God, but the loving kindnesses. It's difficult for me to define what loving kindness and kindness are, and it's a little difficult to distinguish between the two. But I think the definition that the little girl gave, she was asking Sunday school what was kindness and what was loving kindness. Well, she says when you go to your mother and you ask her for a piece of bread with butter on it, and she gives it to you, says that's kindness. But when she puts jam on it without you asking her, that's loving kindness. Well, I don't know of any better way of describing it than that, my friend. You can't think of anything better than that. We find, therefore, in this prayer here, a prayer of David in time of trouble, and that godly remnant someday, but it speaks to the hearts of many of us today. And what was good for the saints of the past and the future is good for us today. It was good for Paul and Silas, and it's good enough for me. Now we have here this psalm with this wonderful prayer here, and I don't see how that you can read the psalms and not see that God does not have a plan and purpose for the nation Israel in the future. He's not through with them. And don't see how you could ever study the book of Romans and ever come to that conclusion, but some do. Now, he says, verse 7 here, he's asked God not only to remember thy tender mercies and loving kindnesses, but he's asking God to forget something. He says, remember not the sins of my youth. Forget them, he says, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Surely goodness and mercy. Here we are again shall follow me all the days of my life. And he's praying to God for mercy and goodness. And God is rich in both of those. He has enough for you today, and there'll be some left over for me. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to need a whole lot of mercy, and I'd like a lot of goodness. Now we have, when we come here to this second section, we have the wonderful confidence. We have these expressions here. Listen to them. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will be guide in justice, and the meek will he teach the way. I just wish I could go into detail in these Psalms, but we cannot. And now notice verse 11. I'll highlight it. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it's great. And God forgives us for Christ's sake never for our sake. You and I don't merit that at all. God forgave David. We know that. And I told an old blasphemer that came to me when I was pastor in downtown Los Angeles, he came to me with that leering look and sneer on his face, and he made this statement. He says, why did God choose a man like David, who was such a big sinner? Well, I said to him, I said, you and I ought to take great comfort in that. If God would save David, 
It might be he'd save you and save me. This is a wonderful comfort. God has said concerning his people, that remnant, someday in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity. I'll remember their sins no more. Now, as we come into this section here, we see verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. There's so many people today that there really are just a question mark as far as a Christian life is concerned. They don't understand this verse of Scripture, and they don't understand why God does this, and don't understand that. And it's almost a dead giveaway when we are constantly in the questioning state because the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. If we were walking with him, and then we'd find out that many times we don't need to ask a question. We just put our hand in his and walk along. I used to take my daughter for a walk quite a bit, and she was a regular question box. She asked about everything in a way when she was little. And finally, she'd get tired. I'd pick her up. She'd put her arm around my neck, and the question time is over. <laughs> you just, you know, accepting everything from then on. I think a great many of us today ought to maybe forget a few of her questions and just put our hand in his and walk along with him today. Now, we come to this last section here, beginning actually at verse 15. And here we see in this final section, we're face to face again with that time of trouble that's coming for those people. David had a time of trouble, and we do too, but it'll be nothing compared to what's in the future. Now, will you notice, he says, "'Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn unto me and have mercy upon me, for I'm desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart.'" are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Well, what a prayer this will be for the remnant in the time of trouble that's coming. And it's a good prayer for you and me today if we're in that place of trouble. And he says, look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. That's when you and I are apt to confess our sins when we're in trouble. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Listen to him now. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his trouble. What a prayer. What a glorious prayer this is. And primarily, it's for the nation Israel. And in that day of trouble, it's coming on the earth. But a lot of God's saints have trouble down here today. And what a marvelous thing it is. Oh, deliver us, God, from our troubles. And deacon, years ago, down in the south, got up to give a testimony. And they were taking the passages or verses of Scripture that were meaningful to them. And this man got up. And he said that the verse that had meant so much to him was, it came to pass. And everyone looked puzzled. The preacher got up and said to him, now look here, brother, how is it that that verse means so much to you? Well, he says, you know, when I have trouble, I always turn to that verse. And I read, it came to pass. 
And then he says, I thank God. My troubles came to pass. They didn't come to stay. That may not be the exact interpretation of that verse, but it's the truth of Scripture. For that's what this psalm is saying here in the prayer. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. And we certainly can pray that prayer for ourselves today. But I'm sure you can see the primary interpretation is for the nation Israel. Now we come here to the 26th Psalm. Now David was confessing his sins in the last one, and David was a great sinner. But in this Psalm, he's talking about his righteousness. And that was something that David had, and we have righteousness today. I'm sure you have. I don't know about you, I have a perfect righteousness, but it's not Vernon McGee's. I'm told the Lord Jesus Christ has been made unto me righteousness, and that's as well as redemption. That's on the plus side of the ledger. And I stand complete in him, accepted in the beloved. And that's what it means to pray in his name. It's to present his work, his merit, and who he is. Notice now Psalm 26. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Test my heart and my mind. This is a marvelous psalm. It's a psalm that speaks of David's walk. Actually, after David's one sin, he didn't live in sin anymore. Now, if you'd gone over to Babylon, the king of Babylon lived in sin like David committed one time. The king of Babylon committed it every day, but David didn't live in it. It was an awful thing in David's life, and it's the reason it stands out. It's just like a lump of coal in a snowbank, because the rest of David's life stands out, and he becomes the example for the nation Israel, for the kings. And every king after him was judged like that. He either walked in the steps of his father David or he didn't. And if he did, he was accepted. And this psalm, I think, reminds us of the first psalm a great deal. Because, listen to it, Judge me, O Lord, for I've walked in mine integrity. I trusted also in the Lord. And it was the faith in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Not that he was so strong, he knew he wasn't, but he knew that when he trusted the Lord, the Lord would sustain him. Now again, we have this, from thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. What a glorious, wonderful psalm that you have here. And I've walked in thy truth. In the first psalm, the negative side, blessed is the man that walketh not. Well, he says here, I've walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. What a picture here. He didn't sit with false persons. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now he says, I have not sat with the false persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I've hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I'll wash my hands in innocence, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. And a life needs to back up faith. And how important this psalm is in that connection. 
Maybe that's the reason this section is not so important and so popular today, because this demands a lie. And he says now here, the last verse, notice it, my foot standeth in an even place in the congregations will I bless the Lord. Now his foot standeth in an even place. That means that he's sure-footed now. He's established on a rock. The even place speaks of that. You know, if you're on the side of a hill, it's slippery. You have to fall. A lot of Christians are standing there today, and they're playing with evil. They get close to it, like the little boy that one night his mother heard a noise back in the kitchen, and she said, Willie, where are you? He said, I'm in the pantry. She said, what are you doing? He says, I'm fighting temptation. Now, friends, that's not the place to fight temptation. You need to get out of that. And there are a lot of Christians today flirt with sin. Some time ago, I think I shared this letter with listeners, but I can give the incident. I never give the place. It's somewhere in the United States. This woman wrote me about how her husband died and a friend of the husband, their friend had been so close to them. He became the one who handled the estate. And it was necessary for her to meet with him. And before long, as she put it, the chemistry began to react. And she began to care for him. He began to care for her. And she saw herself in trouble. She wrote, what shall I do? I said, you're in a burning building. You jump out just quickly as you can. Why will you get out of that town? I have a letter from her from way off in another place. She left. She got away. She said, you know, I would have fallen had I stayed there. You know, it's well to have your feet on even ground, friends. Where are you standing today? The reason a great many people fall their fight and temptation in the pantry. That's no place to do it. Now we come to the wonderful 27th Psalm. This is a deeply spiritual psalm, and this is one that is familiar to many of you because the minute I give the first verse, I can see your face light up because this is familiar. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, who is it? The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. That means he is the one who loves me because love provided a savior. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, he doesn't save us by love, but love provided a savior for us so we could be saved. Now, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And in the book of 1 John, we have three definitions of God. God is light. God is love. God is life. And here it is in one verse. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? For the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And friends, if today he's the light of your life and he's the one that loves you and he is the one that is your life, which means strength, power, my friend, who should you be afraid of? Martin Luther said, one with God is a majority. And Cromwell was asked why he didn't fear anyone. He says, I've learned that if you fear God, you have no one else to fear. 
This is a great psalm. We just got to the first verse. Well, we want to spend a little time with it next time because here is a great psalm, a spiritual psalm with the choicest expressions of faith and heart longings and comfort and assurance. Oh, it's just filled up with a whole lot of goodies. We'll see that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, our next study sounds great, doesn't it? I sure hope that you're going to hop aboard and join us. In the meantime, let's read through Psalm 27 and 28 to get our hearts ready for the journey. Now, if you'd like to regularly receive the benefits of reading God's Word before each study, you can download our schedule that's available at ttb.org forward slash bookmark, or if you'd like to, sign up for our newsletter, another great resource full of more great teaching and resources to help you go deeper in God's Word. Now, when you sign up, you'll also regularly receive the bookmark by mail. Just call 1-800-65-BIBLE to get on the list. I'm Steve Schwetz, and for all of us at Through the Bible, we're grateful for your company as we travel through the entire Word of God. Jesus came home, Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?